0: Get my nom 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 on with the my talk chicks and we will eat on eat on the weekly day
1: Hey everybody, welcome to the Weekly Dish Extended Podcast We are here at El Burrito Mercado It's me and Molly Herman from Kitchen and the Market Hello everybody Stephanie March And we are just sort of talking about Since it's Day of the Dead, Dia de los Muertos Uh, We decided to pop into El Burrito Mercado, Minneapolis, which is, of course, you know, in the South Minneapolis area, just up from the... um, Turtle Bread. Yeah, from Turtle Bread, and the Parkway Theater is here. They're showing Coco at 1.00. Um, it's kind of a great, cool thing. There's a lot of kids here today, so if you hear... Some wailing. Some wailing. <laughs> it's just the reality of it all. It's so good. So it's in the
0: old Papito space for those yes. that are not familiar with where we're at. But it's at 48th in Chicago.
1: Yep, and there's an awesome Frida Kahlo vibe everywhere, which mm-hmm. i got to say I appreciate. Um, we've had some... We did order a margarita, so I'll just... We'll warn you on that part. But anyway... <laughs> uh, of excited so we started talking about the people who we are honoring in our lives and i started to think about the food people who have impacted us obviously the ofrenda here today is um dedicated to anthony bourdain and he has had such a massive impact on the food scene that it's kind of hard to take so we were talking about thinking about the people who we have had in our lives that have impacted our if we could have like a, a ofrenda to all of our food humans who would it be
0: So real quick, I just want to say about the Anthony Bordeno Frenda, I was actually surprised to see it here in in such a a large presence. Not that he wasn't a big presence in the food community, but you don't expect it to sort of still have that far-reaching aspect necessarily. And so it was lovely to see.
1: Yeah. No, it was really good. So let's just touch on him for a moment. Just to come back to the fact of, let's not forget, I know that his, uh, he's got a thing on Netflix right now, I think. Mm. They are airing his last episodes. Okay. I feel like CNN is airing the last episode. I have the hiccup. sorry. But they're also doing them on... I feel like there's a Netflix thing, which is collecting a bunch of the old... i have to look. I haven't no seen No Reservations it. Okay. But I just think it's so funny that when we watch... You know, our new obvious obsession is Samin Nosrat from yes. Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. And how, in a weird way... I mean, obviously he informed the way that we watch food television because he dug into cultures and he really sort of tried to show us all the sides of it and experience all aspects of it, not just the glossy stuff, yeah. not just the pretty things. But there's also a piece of it that she was saying, that there's this white man discovery of things, which is less interesting, interpretive. And also the thing that she did, which was bring very, very many grandmothers cultural grandmothers in front of the camera which I think is a you know probably less for him than for other hosts but nonetheless you know it's it's less about like oh my god I just found this it's amazing which I get it that's a hard thing to understand too I mean like that's an easy thing to give perspective on because that is how you're feeling at the moment oh my god this is great these these dumplings i've never had them they're amazing and that's discovery but instead it's supposed to be about um, the
0: celebration of
1: celebration
0: however here's what i think that a lot of people don't understand about um being in a kitchen is that you are surrounded by a lot of different cultures Right. right and so it's not that this was his discovery of that i think it was him showing that on camera that was a discovery for a lot of people People because yeah. he had to have had interaction with a lot of these like other cultures and, their, and the culture of their food, right. even in his own kitchen, yeah. especially in New York. You yeah. know, so I don't think that it was so much necessarily a, a personal discovery for him. Right. I think it was a discovery that they allowed to happen on camera for other people.
1: Yeah that make sense? Yeah. But it still is a presentation to the wider world. I think sure. that's the hard part. But yeah. I get it. I do, too, because I do feel like, you know, everyone is trying to find, you know what I mean? Like, when you do get to expand yourself, mm-hmm. it is enlightening. And then you want to share that enlightenment with other people because you're so excited by it. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, I do love that aspect of it. So, yeah. I don't know. It's a hard thing. but. He definitely, I think, impacted, I mean, in his books. Just forget about his writing for a minute, you know. Beyond his visual, you know, sort of storytelling was the fact that he actually knew how to put words to paper in a beautiful way. He was a poet. He was a poet. He was a dark poet. Mm-hmm. Oh, Most poets are. I know. Well, some no. modern-day poets are not. Well. <laughs>
0: All, all poets probably they they can have a lighter side but they all have a dark side or they wouldn't turn to words to probably convey true. their feelings probably right? true. We just may not see
1: it you're right so is there anybody who has influenced your cooking kitchen food life that has passed that youth can think um, I think the most
0: uh, would be Julia child and not necessarily influence my cooking because I'm not necess- I don't do a lot of French cooking right you know but what I admire so much about her is her her zest for life and her and Paul's love story and you know all that wonderful mess that happened in Paris but the fact that she didn't know how to cook I know and decided to embark on this at 40 years old right right she created this whole new life for herself um, at an age that we are now, right? That um, is just really inspiring, and I and I love that she wasn't so serious about it. I mean, serious but not serious. If that makes sense, like she dove into all the the detail, but she wanted to make it accessible. And yeah. To me, that's what translates to what, what I try to do at Kitchen on the Market is we want to make it. You know, accessible for people to come in and cook with these restaurant chefs or accessible to cook with different ingredients and not make it so scary and formalized. Right. And I appreciate that that's what she started doing.
1: Right. No, I agree. And I think there's something about the fact that when you take something you love, you know, and you sort of say not only do I want to learn more about it, but I want to, like, become proficient in it. And that's something that people think all the time. Like, maybe it's maybe it's woodworking, or maybe it's... But, I mean, cooking is obviously something easy, because it's, like, it's part of your everyday... You have to eat. You have to eat. You right. don't have to build a table. But, nonetheless, to become that proficient in it, and then to also want to teach other people how to be that proficient, that's the selflessness of it. Like, that's yeah. the other side of it. Yeah, this was a greater before good thing fame. that she was wanting yeah. to yeah
0: there was no tv she did, there was she no did. tv or youtube or anything like that in her future she I she mean, did but she, she did do tv but that wasn't why she started no. doing it right exactly. she didn't even know that that would be possible right when she
1: started doing right this. did you how do you feel about the julia and julia movie i mean i know okay. i feel like everybody feels the same so i should just stop asking that so, question you know what
0: i i read the
1: book you did and I enjoyed
0: the book. Okay. Like, I enjoyed the the struggles that a modern-day cook was going through to try to recreate these in a very small apartment with, you know, little space and blah, 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 blah. The movie, I felt, didn't translate that at all. And I honestly hated Amy Adams in that role. But that,
1: that's my personal opinion. Yeah. I didn't care as much as everybody else did. I every I mean I feel like you're on the majority. Like most people hated the whole situation. I was it was it was sort of benign to me. It was yeah. like it was almost like it was sort of a wash. I still felt like Meryl Streep did a great job. She did Oh my god. I mean, well, that's the thing. is To me it was like that side of it was transformative. And then the Amy Adams side was fine. It wasn't a, but it was I didn't hate it.
0: But it it wasn't necessary to that movie plot line, I guess. Like it, well, you just but want, you right. wanted to see a Julia biopic.
1: Well, that's the thing. Well, like that's the whole thing. Like you want to see a Julia, and and if Meryl Streep's gonna be in it, you kind of want to be like, no, I just want to see the yeah. bio. Like if you're gonna spend time with it being Meryl, yeah. then just make it the biopic. Cut the pic. chatter. Yeah, but don't you think part of it was because the book sold so well, and that was of course. I mean, I mean that was one of the original blogs. Are, think right? about that. Yeah. yeah. One of the original blogs, which was I'm gonna cook my way through mass, you mm-hmm. know, mastering the art of French cooking, mm-hmm. which I think inspired so many people. It's Did you ever read the book, Julia and Julia? I did. Okay. But I never... Did you have any feelings about it? No. I kind of of read through it and was like, oh. You know? Yeah. Kind of like, okay. But I loved the idea. I loved the idea of cooking through a book like that. Yeah. And, you know, people who followed... um, Who am I thinking about uh, out in... Oh, God. See, that's horrible. The one in Portland who then ended up, like, opening a pizza shop with her husband. Oh, Molly Orangette. Yes. It's uh, Molly... Weisenberg.
0: Weisenberg. Weisenberg. Uh, and they opened up Delancey. Yeah. And yeah, I loved her blog.
1: Right. And boy, talk about an evolution. Yeah, that's there. what I'm saying. I mean,
0: it is an incredible journey that she's gone. Yeah.
1: I know, right? Yeah. And then And then... Yeah. But, I mean, that kind of thing is... You know, those kind of pieces that have been out there in the world for a long time, which are not long time. But then you've got to think, who's going to come later? Who's going to come later and see these things? Can we just say, like, back in the day, I have no idea how many years ago this was,
0: but yeah. when Molly Orangette is the blog for Molly Weisenberg, I, it wasn't in its infancy, but we were all just starting in the blogosphere, yeah. starting to do that and that, and I just contacted her randomly. Did you really? Got, I mean, we had a correspondence. Yeah. Like, I, I couldn't do that now. Like, she's... I mean, maybe, but maybe but, but she was so um, accessible at that point because she hadn't blown up right. into this thing that she is now. We
1: don't ever know who's gonna blow up. That's true. You know, what I think about people past who have influenced me. The funniest part is like, there's something about. Uh, I mean we and we talk about this all the time actually on the show about Joy of Cooking. Yep. Irma S. Rombauer yes. who was obviously someone who took that same idea of like, well I'm gonna make this accessible and and sort of take what my parents knew or what my my family knew you know like I'm mm-hmm. going to take what everybody knows and make sure that it's set and ready for the other generations right. I think that that's a huge piece well and so Ruth Reichel Reichel, Reichel. Ruth Reichel
0: um, was it that Bones to Broth yeah. book that really resonated with me Yeah, quite a lot on that the the heritage of cooking which was a heritage that I wasn't as familiar with in the south as this Jewish yeah. ancestry Yeah, and um, so that was fascinating
1: to me yeah. Um, so the other writer that, or the other, like, food human, I think that had the most impact on me that made me think that this was more than just what I thought it was, Mm -hmm. is MFK Fisher. Yes. Did you ever read any MFK? No, I've only read snippets. I haven't read... Right, because there's articles, and there's, like, small, there's short stories. I have a couple of volumes, but How to Cook a Wolf, I... I have to tell you, I didn't realize that you could convey the things you need to convey about food until MFK Fisher. And I'm not talking about flowery adjectives, which, of course, just kind of pisses me off. I mean, if you read anything you know of mine, you know that I don't get into this whole, like, this margarita was as, you know, as like, like a summer's day blowing across the plains in your mouth. <laughs> that's not my gig. Like, that's not it. And that to me was because I think there's a school of that that happens in that sort of, in their thought is like, that makes you a great writer if you can describe a margarita or a quesadilla as something otherly and put it into it. And that is beautiful. I, I appreciate those writers. But for me, it's about evoking context and a moment Mm -hmm. and evoking sort of a moment, a piece of time and and a way that a food fits into things. Yeah. And that was her. Can I borrow that from you? You can. Awesome. I have it on my top shelf, so next time you come over, just come grab it. So do you know who else... I mean, that reminds me of, obviously,
0: James Beard. Yes. And what's funny is did you ever see that one man show that came out with James Beard I, I
1: missed that one because I was out of town I think the weekend it was here and you know what it was pretty
0: amazing and I, it was so long ago that I'm not going to get everything right but it was it really portrayed this lonely man yeah who, he was a lonely man who loved food yeah uh, and that was his way of showing I mean much like anybody chef or home uh, entertainer or what you know that's how you show love for people right and uh, it was really well done so if it ever comes back around, you know, go see yeah. it. But, you know, he had a, um, a friendship with uh, Craig Claiborne, oh. right? And yep. so some of those interactions are really lovely to see because it was born out of, you know, a friendship and... And not this need for you know striving for publicity or so like a lot of things that happen now with blogs and I just want to get this out there because I have a cookbook and yeah it was a true love of food and a true friendship and yeah. that I like reading a lot
1: about that and so mm-hmm. on that note let's talk about Jonathan Gold okay oh, because yes. he's passed and he's in fact I should have made I'm going to put a picture of him on my Afrenda now that I think about That's a good it idea I have Aretha Franklin I have the strip club I have um, Anthony Bernier. On mine. But I'm gonna print out a picture of Jonathan Gold the because strip club meat and fish. Yes, just to be clear, not <laughs> all strip club. But there is something about Jonathan Gold and the way that he wrote for the L.A. Times and for the L.A. Week. The I think it was the Weekly at one point, and the way that he respected and really just kind of dove into the food cultures that are present in L.A., Mm -hmm. what a gift, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to do that as your life's work, but then also what a gift to be able to understand how best to communicate that kind of thing, Yeah. and if you have not had a chance, please, please, please watch City of Gold, which is is the documentary, and I've watched it probably like four times, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I know it's because, partly because I... I feel a kinship in his job of trying to describe and contextualize food in this weird American, you know, salad that we all live in. Mm -hmm. But there's also the piece of it that is to do with the fact of, like, really respecting the food and not sensationalizing it. Right. And the cultural tapestry. I mean, that's what he had a
0: a huge job of in L.A., right? I mean... The, all the different cultures that mesh there. Yeah. And the fact that he wasn't going to, I mean, he went to the high-end restaurants and the and the big-name restaurants, but the fact that he could find the little mom-and-pop shop in a strip mall in Crescent City. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shout-out to Left-Handed Cook that just opened what? there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he, he worked hard to do that, and you can
1: tell he did. Yeah. All right. Thank you. And than that you raise us. Good. You're can good. I get a good. side good. of guacamole, too? Yeah. Thank you. Um, So there it is. That's, I think we're, you know, we just got our food just to be clear, you guys. We got, what do you have there? I don't even know. I have
0: the burrito bowl with chorizo. Okay. And it looks delicious. you are like mixing
1: it all up right now. Very good. And I, of course, got a quesadilla because that is my comfort level (laughs) that I am talking at right now. But thank you so much, Malls, for being with us today. And also thanks to you guys for listening uh, to the Extended Podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.